Welcome to Crosswords. This is a podcast about practical Christianity. Emphasis on practical. How to put Jesus' words into practice. What does it look like to walk in Jesus' footsteps? As Christians, we live in a culture hostile to righteousness, self-control, and God's judgment. Righteousness because we don't get good messages about what good moral values ought to be. Hostile against self-control because we all make excuses for our behavior as opposed to saying no to sin. And hostile to God's judgment to come because we're usually afraid to talk about death, hell, and judgment, something Jesus spoke of frequently. So in this podcast, we're going to get your mind and your heart in line with Jesus' words and way, because He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only one who can get us out of this world alive. All scriptures quoted will be from the New International Version. You can follow me on Twitter at Kingdom underscore Saint. Walk with the Lord and be a blessing. Welcome to our fifth episode of Prayers in the New Testament. This is the fifth prayer that we're going to be unpacking. This one was written to the Philippian church, and it speaks of love preceding knowledge and depth of insight, so that we may be full of Christ's righteousness. Let's read it in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. Paul says, This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So the first thing Paul says here is, that our love may abound more and more. God wants our love to increase. God expects our love to grow, not to stay static. Paul mentions the same thought in 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 and 13, where he says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. These two verses indicate how our love needs to increase, and not just increase, but get to a point where we experience it overflowing from our life outward to affect the lives of others. If judgment and criticism is what's coming out of our mouths and our thoughts. Is it love? Now, I have a hard time with this often. It's easy to judge people. We judge our spouses, our children, our friends, our brethren. How much easier it is to judge those we don't know, to dismiss them for any superficial reason that we can come up with. Oh, he didn't drive right. Oh, he he forgot to blink when he was crossing over the lane. But if love is overflowing... That means I am overlooking offenses. I don't mean overlooking sin. We must confront sin because love demands us to confront sin. I'm talking about matters of opinion, matters of taste, of preference. My heart needs to be strengthened 
in love, not strengthen my doubt. Doubt doesn't strengthen our heart. I have to be strengthened in love. That is what's going to make me blameless and holy, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 and 13. Both of the passages, the one in Philippians that we saw first and this one in Thessalonians, they talk about a process of us growing in love so that we can be ready for the day Jesus comes. And this love we're talking about here is agape love from the Greek word agape, which is a godly love, a love that doesn't expect returns. A love that just loves, just because God is love. And this is a love that's demonstrated outwardly by what we're doing, regardless of how we feel, as 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 shows. It's a love demonstrated by how we are using our knowledge and our insight. They both need to be influenced by this kind of love. So Paul tells the Philippian that their love should abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. In knowledge. See, if you're practicing this kind of love, this agape love, and you're letting it overflow, your love will abound more and more in knowledge. And this word translated as knowledge is a Greek word that means precise and correct knowledge. Knowledge, especially about God's holy will and inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. This is a knowledge that brings confidence in God's working in us. As Paul's prayers to the Ephesians reflect, he prays for them to abound in knowledge, to have a knowledge of God. And this Knowledge feeds the love that we're practicing. It makes it abound more and more because we know we're loved and we have been given an inheritance in Christ Jesus. So this knowledge brings about discernment, the ability to judge rightly in all matters. As Paul says here, that this love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So, what is this depth of insight about? Well, if we're practicing love, if we're letting it overflow from our life to others, this love of God will abound more and more in depth of insight. That means discernment or judgment, a perception by the senses, but also intellectual. It's moral discernment, the ability to wisely use everything that you have at your disposal to promote the love of God so that it abounds more and more, shown by how wisely you're able to discern and use everything that God has given you. So Paul says that he wants us, he's praying to the Philippians that they may be able to discern what is best. So he prays that their love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight because they're going to need that knowledge, that depth of insight to help them discern what is best. And we're talking about practical knowledge, practical depth of insight, because that is what love is about. It's not a feeling. It's not just knowing, but it's practicing. And that's the way we will be able to discern or approve what is best. 
We learn to approve what is best, not with knowledge alone. We're not robotic beings concerned only with the what or the when to do something. Because the who, the why are just as important. Most of the time, all the five W's, who, what, when, where, why, they help us with discernment when love is the motivator. Love is what ought to define us in our actions and guide our wisdom and our judgment and approval of anything that we do and say, as well as how we interact with others. To approve the things that are excellent, our minds must be trained to recognize the excellence of those things that are excellent by God's standard. Paul says that we must grow in this knowledge and in this discernment, just as an art critic must learn how to recognize artistic greatness when he sees it, we must learn how to recognize the greatness of that which is morally and spiritually excellent when we come into contact with it. Day by day, our judgment must come to coincide more closely with God's so that the things we approve are the same things that he approves. So spiritually speaking, our tastes must be Refined. That's what our brother Gary Henry writes. So outside of Christ, we're unable to know what is best. We can't get our palate refined in the good eternal things outside of Christ. We can't discern what is best for us outside of the guidance of the Word of God because we are rough, we are obtuse, we have bad timing, we always stick our foot in our mouth. But in Christ, even while we may still stumble on some things because we're growing, we're in a process, we're on a road to be more and more in keeping with God's approval, and all the more while we're meeting all approval in Jesus Christ. That's that's how we're protected, even though we're not perfect and we never will be in this life, but we're growing. We are on a path that's determined by God to conform to Christ. So we're protected from all the bumps, bruises, and mistakes that we make while on this road. The Holy Spirit in us, who is God's power, the subject of the prayers Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he's like our training wheels as we practice walking in Jesus' footsteps, as we conform to him. The Holy Spirit guides us, doesn't let us fall apart, even though we might stumble and fall and skin our knees. The blood of Christ doesn't let us fall from grace through this process. Unless you quit your training altogether, leaving Christ, he who began a good work in you will finish it to completion. That's God's promise. So with the Holy Spirit, he's, as our training wheels, we're not going to fall or hurt ourselves as God works in us. So it's a reason to rejoice and be confident, as Paul mentioned earlier. This also brings about the next crucial point in this prayer to the Philippians. Paul says that we need to be able to discern what is best so that we may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. God keeps us pure and blameless in Christ. Christ is our righteousness. God provided atonement for us through the blood of Christ. And this atonement has to do with 
the appeasing of God's anger because of our sin. It's a reparation for our wrongdoing and our sin against God. You see, from our perspective, we can only see all the wrong things that are occurring in our life and probably in the life of other people. But from God's perspective, he sees everything through the blood of Christ. We are holy. We're blameless. We'll fault, we're faultless because Jesus is holy, blameless, and faultless. Jesus' blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat in God's throne room. So it's universally available to all who wish to receive this justification. That's what it's called in the next few verses I'm going to read to you. Justification is an important word in us understanding how pure and how blameless God has made us and for us to really see to it that we continue being pure and blameless. That's why we need the ability to discern. That's why love needs to abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. You see, the blood that was sprinkled on the mercy seat, if you recall from the uh, Jewish temple or the tabernacle, the mercy seat Uh, underneath the mercy seat was the law. And the law, man, you know, you broke the law, you're out of favor with God. But the mercy seat was above the law. In other words, when God came to meet Moses and he told him that he was going to meet him there right above the mercy seat, that's where the blood of bulls and goats was sprinkled because those sacrifices for atonement were to appease God's wrath against those who broke his law. And that's why now, of course, It's through Jesus' blood, because the blood of bulls and goats can't really take away sin. But now through Jesus' blood, we can be made as if we'd never had sin. That's what justification is about. Just as if I'd never sin. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 through 25 speak of it. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. So there's quite a a few important words here to help us uh, in our walk with Christ, living a pure and blameless life until the day Jesus comes. So he mentioned the words justified, just as if I'd never sinned. He mentioned the word redemption, that means to restore our worth. He mentioned the word atonement, Atonement appeases the wrath of God. So these are all important words for us to understand the purity that we've been given in Jesus Christ and all this to be received by faith. Jesus' blood justifies. Jesus' blood redeems. Jesus' blood forgives. It justifies us. It makes us as if we have never sinned. It covers our sin, not just covers it, but it completely removes it. He, His blood also redeems. It restores my worth by removing my offenses. It forgives. It restores my relationship with God. 
I am his child now, his legacy. So that's what the righteousness of Christ is all about. As Paul says towards the end of the prayer here to the Philippians, that we may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. So our walk in Christ now is about being filled with that fruit that comes from the righteousness that Jesus has imputed on us. He has imputed his righteousness because we cannot have any of our own. Imputation is the action or process of ascribing righteousness to someone by virtue of righteousness in another. In this case, it is Jesus who is righteous. He's the only one who is righteous, the only human being that is righteous in the sight of God. And so, therefore, it is the righteousness of Christ that now has been ascribed as our own when we become incorporated in Christ by believing and being baptized in his name. Once we've been baptized, we've been forgiven by receiving the blood of Jesus Christ. And we continue to have that protection, that cover of atonement. As 1 John 1.17 says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And that is what the righteousness of Christ does. He is now my righteousness. He makes me right and able to do what is right. And because I'm clothed with him now, I am able to offer sacrifices acceptable to God. As Romans 12, 1 says, I am a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. I am arrayed now in robes of righteousness, as Isaiah 61, 10 says, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. Revelation 19.8 says that the fine linen, bright and clean, that we're given to wear stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people, only possible by Jesus' righteousness. Zechariah chapter 3 verse 1 through 5 has a nice narrative of a comparison of before and after we get God's righteousness. It reads, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord, who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. Then I said, Put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. Revelation 7.14 will say that these, the one in the white robes, meaning the Christians, are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So what I do as a Christian now is acceptable to God because I put on Jesus in baptism. Without putting on Christ, the best I could do is not acceptable because I'm alienated 
blemished and offensive when I'm not in Christ, even though I may give my life to the flames, as Paul says in the preamble to love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It, it is meaningless. It is as it is a noise because only by the righteousness of Christ am I able to do anything that could possibly please God. And so therefore the fruit of this righteousness is really the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in us. It's the fruit that comes through Christ, through the Holy Spirit, as it says in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And all this to the glory and praise of God. God gets all the glory since he made it all happen, as Paul says here at the end of the prayer at the end of the prayer in this section to the Philippians, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. All we do is surrender our identity to adopt his identity. So we're filled with his fruit. It's not ours. It's his fruit of righteousness. Since we understand the indescribable gift of God's love in Jesus Christ. And we grow now in depth of insight in how to use our life to the glory of God. Let's continue to pray that our love may abound more and more in God's knowledge and depth of insight to discern what is best, to be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness through Jesus to give glory to God. Thank you very much for listening. I hope the Lord gave you insight into conforming to Jesus with today's message. I always appreciate feedback. You can send me your thoughts, musings, and comments directly through the Anchor app. You can also contact me on Twitter at Kingdom underscore Saint. Walk with the Lord today and be a blessing.